so great to be in the house of the Lord and uh, on Resurrection Sunday to be together, to be able to welcome visitors. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know that we're especially uh, glad that you came and chose this day to visit with us. Uh, some of you with family, friends from out of town, welcome to Grace Bible Church. We're glad that you're here to celebrate this day with us. If you are new to us, we want you to know that you can fill out the little flap in your bulletin uh, and then return it to the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you. It's a mug filled with chocolate. You can't beat that on Easter Sunday, right? So if you want to fill that out and give that to them, they would be happy to do that for you. And I want to begin this morning just by reading uh, the Easter, the resurrection story from John, the 20th chapter. We've been in the book of John for the last several weeks. So let me read it to you from John 20, 1 through 8. It says this, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran, and she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. And so Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter. You have to understand the other disciple is the man writing this. And so he refers to himself in the third person, and he wants you to know that he's faster than Peter. So whatever, okay? So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter, came to the tomb first, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw, and he believed. Amen. Amen. And he believed. Jesus was gone. Jesus had risen from the dead. No one had stolen his body. There wasn't a conspiracy to make it look like he rose. But in fact, he did rise from the dead. You know, for the past several weeks, we have been looking at scriptures from the book of John, where Jesus was teaching about all sorts of things. In the resurrection, Jesus is teaching by way of his activities that death is conquered. He has conquered it. He's won the spiritual victory over sin. In the resurrection, Jesus is establishing this permanent reality that sin is defeated and through his life, people can be not only free from sin, but can receive new, transformed life. If you're here today and you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus and you don't believe that it really happened, uh, you believe maybe it's all a myth, maybe it's something that's been perpetuated down through the centuries, but it I don't really know that it's true. How can you know that it's true? Well, if I were you, I would give that serious thought because so much is riding on it. 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. And if it didn't really happen, then we have to have 500 people who were all of them able to carry this secret, this secret conspiracy to the grave. Another evidence is that the enemies of Jesus... When they came to the tomb, they saw the empty tomb, and what did they do? They stirred it up, and they says, well, uh, it must be uh, that his disciples came and stole his body. But in so creating this kind of conspiracy, what they were actually attesting to was that the tomb was actually 
empty. There is other convincing evidence that the resurrection of Jesus is true. And if, if you're here today and you want additional information on that, let me know. I can direct you to all kinds of resources that present a wealth of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. And for our purpose this morning, we're going to view the resurrection of Jesus as fact, mainly because it is. <laughs> the evidence is overwhelming. And think about this. If the resurrection of Jesus did happen, and it did, then it actually validates the life of Jesus. It validates the way he lived his life. It validates the truths that he taught. And if you really think about that for a minute, it has huge implications for your life, for my life, for every person's life. Because Jesus taught things like this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. So if you live life in Jesus, you're living in the way of God. You're living in His path, His way. And Jesus is the only way to eternal joy in heaven. If you live in Jesus, you live in truth. Living apart from Jesus, you, you live in deception. You get fooled. Are people today living in deception in our culture? <laughs> I mean, so many people think that living any way they want is, is going to bring them this joyful, happy life. And how many people today just live for the next party or the next high or the next escape, thinking this path is going to get me to a full and happy life? It's deception. It's just pure deception. Jesus said that if you really want the fullness of life, you can only find it in Him he said that uh, living life separate from him is living in death. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're not in me, then you're not in life, which means that you're living in a perpetual death. And yet people today, they live life separate from Christ. And some have never come to Jesus in order to receive the life of Jesus. But some people have come to Jesus. Some people have, have tasted of his grace, have, have come and trusted in him for their salvation, and they're still trying to live separately from him. They're still doing their own thing. And I'm here to tell you today, doing so is just as futile as a Christian as it was before a person becomes a Christian. Not only that, when Christians live separate from the life of Jesus... Well, they give Christianity a bad name. You know what I mean? They become legalistic or they become fighters instead of lovers and they become dividers instead of uniters. Last week in our message, we looked at the work of Christ on the cross and how Christians were with him on the cross. We're bonded to him on the cross. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says that uh, he has been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it's not he who lives, but it's Christ who lives in him. We're, we're all born with this bent towards selfishness and pride. We, we, all, we all want our way. And the Bible says that we're born at odds or estranged from God because of this sinfulness. 
And this, this verse that I referred to in Galatians 2.20, because of the crucifixion, it says that because Jesus died, our old self, who we were born as, can also be put to death. We can be there. We can walk the road of the cross with Jesus. We can be there at the crucifixion. And our old self can be put on him and therefore put to death. The old us. You know, I really don't understand some things in life. Don't you feel that way sometimes? <laughs> There's some things I just really don't understand. One thing I don't really understand is why everyone is not living in Jesus. I really don't understand that. I just can't imagine people fully understanding the truth about him and saying, I don't think so. No, thanks. I don't understand how people can hear the truth about how good he is and how much he simply wants to give to you. He wants to give you life and truth and mercy and grace, this, this peace in your inner soul, purpose, meaning fullness, freedom, and heaven. I don't understand how people can hear that truth and choose to stay in the world system of struggle and emptiness and pain. And I, I just really don't get it. Okay, here's another thing I really don't understand. <laughs> I really don't understand why Christians choose not to live in Jesus. <laughs> because so many Christians are trying to go on their own. They're, they're trying to, to live the Christian experience without him. And Well, let me ask you, anybody here ever tried to live the Christian life without Jesus? <laughs> how, 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 how did that go? <laughs> I spent many years of my life trying to live the Christian life without Jesus. Trying hard to, to be good and not bad. Not getting there. So many today, they just keep trying to follow what they think are rules and they get mad at people whom they, don't, whom they decide don't follow the Christian rules well enough. And Christians today can end up fighting over silly things. They make unimportant things like how you dress or what you listen to or what you drink. Or they make all these things so important. And Aren't you tired of all that? <laughs> I mean... They're so, they're so focused on the conduct rather than the great conductor. <laughs> and so he says here on the cross, the old us can be gone, but that was last week, and I'm here to tell you it's, it's Resurrection Sunday, and there's, there's a better story here. <laughs> there's something even greater. You see, we're bonded to Christ on the cross, but we're also bonded with Christ in his resurrection. Amen. I want us to look at Romans 6, chapter... Chapter 6, verses 4 to 11. I want you to see what Jesus has done for you. The death and resurrection of Christ. Romans 6, starting with verse 4, it says this. Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, 
in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. And now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And he starts off with this word baptism, and it refers to the baptism of the Holy Spirit here. And it says, just as Jesus Christ was put to death, and so is the old us put to death. And just as Jesus came up out of the grave to a resurrected life, so we too come up from the death of the old us full of the life of God through the Spirit. It says in verse 4 that we walk in newness of life. So because of the resurrection, we have a completely new life. Because of the resurrection, we have a completely new life. Oh, well, it's still housed in the same body. Sorry. <laughs> But everything inside is different. It's changed. It's new. It's transformed. The spirit of death and sin is gone and the spirit of God moves in. There's an exchange that has taken place. You, you see it throughout the Bible. You see it throughout the New Testament. Uh, think about the week leading up to the cross. It really did expose the disciples for who they were, didn't it? These guys were self-protective, they were fearful, they were competitive, they were self-seeking, they were prideful, they were selfish. And then Jesus goes to the cross and he crushes sin and he, he takes victory over death and then he sends the Holy Spirit a few weeks later to live in the lives of his followers. And well, what happens to these guys? What happens to these guys when they're filled with the Holy Spirit? In a moment's time, they're completely different <laughs> they're changed there was a work of god that completely erased the old and brought the new they speak now with power and authority they demonstrate the miracle working god and nothing nothing matters to them except the life of christ jesus living in and through them what's the next mission jesus where are we going now jesus what are we going to do to change the world and bring them to you think of the apostle paul he persecuted the church he, he killed christians before coming to christ but then when he met jesus what happened to paul he was changed it wasn't that his theology changed or he decided to believe things that he once believed disbelieved no he was changed where sin used to be was now the very life of Christ. He was different. It's like this. If I'm living separate from Christ, and let's say I get fired from my job, you know, what do I do? How do I feel? How do I feel when crisis comes, and, and I'm living on my own, I'm living separate from Christ? Well, I might get scared, I might get mad at my employer. Well, a lot of people just get mad at God. I'm living apart from God, but I'm still mad at him. <laughs> I'm still mad that he didn't work my life out for me. Well, let me ask you, can the same thing happen to you if you're a follower of Christ? Can you still lose your job? Yeah. 
But, but if I'm living in Christ, there's, 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 there's a reaction, there's a reflex that's different. There's this, this perspective that I get by following him that I'm now, I'm now looking forward to whatever the next adventure is. I'm, I'm now looking for the next mission that God is going to send me on. My security isn't in my job. It's not in relationships. It's not in anything. My security is in him. Think about Peter. He was, a, he was a fisherman. Can you imagine how Peter, after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, would have reacted to his boss telling him that he was going to get fired? Can you imagine? Sometimes I like to put myself in those kind of situations, just think about how the apostles would react, knowing the personality of Peter. He would probably say, hey, I'm a fisher of men now anyway. <laughs> Thanks for freeing up my time. I have more time to tell people about Jesus, who's changed my life so radically. He's the only reason I live anyway. Verse 6 says that the old us is crucified with Christ. It makes a statement that you really have to stop and ponder for a second. It says, so that the body of sin might be done away with. So that the body of sin, this inherited Nature that I'm, I'm born with, this nature that wants to please self, that is a gatherer instead of a giver. It says that this, this inherited nature is, is done away with through the cross of Christ Jesus. Another translation says that the body of sin is nullified. It's, it's rendered powerless, useless. And then in verse 7, it comes right out and says, In Christ we're freed from sin freed so my second point is simply that because of the resurrection we have freedom from sin I think we ought to take a vote how many of us want to be free from sin <laughs> yeah be good wouldn't it? and you might think well how, how come if I'm in Christ how come I still have this tendency to uh, be drawn to certain sinful things and it's because sometimes we react out of our old patterns or sometimes we, we, we walk away from this intimate connection with Christ or we think that we can take this day on our own and then we become vulnerable to the temptations in the world. You see, before Christ, sin is just natural to us. It's, it's natural to be selfish. It's natural to be prideful, lustful. It's just the way we're wired. We want to please self. We feel helpless to live the way we know we ought to live, so we just... Throw our hands up and indulge. You know, the passage says that we serve sin. The Greek word is doulos, which means slavery. Actual slavery. And which in this case, we're a slave to sin. But he says in Christ, we have freedom from that. Our, our slavery is over. There's an emancipation from sin. And living in Christ is living in power. It's it's, it's, it's living to, to, to want what he wants, to think his thoughts, to love the way he loves, to let go of the self. Every moment we live in Christ, we live in power. Every moment we live in self, we're vulnerable to the old patterns that have been crucified. You know, when you think about it, the choice is not whether or not in this moment, in this day, in this hour, am I going to be good or am I going to be bad? The choice is, am I going to live to Christ or to myself? Because if I live to Christ, there is this power this, that's available to me. Because it says that I've been freed from sin. Verse 8 says, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Christ. We live with Jesus. 
Again, can you imagine being one of the disciples that week? One day you're fearing for your life because everybody and everything is turning against Jesus. The, the, the one that you've been following, you're, you're full of fear. You're, you're, you're cowardly. You're wondering why you ever associated yourself with him. They even asked Peter, you're one of them. And he said, no, I don't know the guy. Never saw him. And, and then you see Jesus risen from the dead. And I guess more than anything else, I try to put myself in their shoes. And it would be more, it, I guess it would be more confusing than anything at that moment. Because I'm still focused on self. And so I see Jesus risen from the dead. And my immediate reaction is, well, okay, what does that mean for me? What does that mean to my life? But then a few days later, a few weeks later, the Holy Spirit comes and fills your life. And all of a sudden... I get it. <laughs> I understand. I, I understand all those things that, that he was telling us. I, I understand what love really is all about because love is not something out there, it's something in here. I, I now, I'm now understanding what grace is. That, that I didn't have to earn this. There's nothing I could do to earn this. I, I just received the valuable gift of God's grace into my life. And so I become courageous. I don't care what they do to me. The world has, has lost its hold because I'm no longer deceived. I understand. My only mission now is to live Christ, to, to see others come to Christ, to, well, to quite frankly, get out of his way <laughs> as he lives through me, to just submit and let Jesus do what he wants to do. To, to let Jesus love others through me. To let Jesus teach others through me. To let Jesus serve others through me. All of a sudden I understand that there, I, I, see things that, I see things that are happening through my life that I always thought was impossible. I could never do that. And to be honest, looking back, I, I couldn't do that. It's only through the presence and the power and the life of Christ in me that there is this ability to be able to communicate the truths or to be able to live a life of love, to be able to be selfless, to be humble. See if you agree with this statement. Because of the resurrection, point number three, we can live the way Jesus lived. Okay, we're going to vote. You ready? Can you live the way Jesus lived? <laughs> Be honest. It, it's, it's Jesus living in you. It's not you doing it. And so why would Jesus live one way when he was here and then come and live in you and live some other way? If Jesus lived a way, then he was here on this earth, then he's going to come into your life and he's going to keep living the way he's always lived. He's going to keep doing the things that he's always been doing because you're just going to live moment by moment in his presence and let Jesus do his thing in your life. It's Jesus doing it, not us. And if you say, well, I can't live that way, well, I'd agree with you. <laughs> you can't. You'd be right. But he can live that way. And he does every moment. You embrace your inability to live right and turn your attention to him. He comes and he lives his life. Remember, your choice is not about being good or bad. It's about living in Jesus or on your own. 
That's the choice. Am I going to live in Jesus and receive his life and let him come? Or am I going to try to work this out on my own? You have trouble with sin today? We're not going to vote on this one. You have trouble with sin? I can tell you it's because you're, you are trying to defeat it. You are trying to do something about it. And if you turn away from that and give your focus to Jesus and who he is and what he means to you and begin to understand his love for you, then all of a sudden you begin to notice that something is getting less and less back here. Sin is less attractive because he is so attractive. He is love and he is power and he is freedom. And finally, verses 10 and 11, it says, For the spirit that he died, he died. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And don't miss this. The reason I say that is because most people do. Most Christians miss this. Look, look at the way Paul puts it here in Romans 6. He says that Jesus died to sin and lives to God. He closed one chapter, opened up a new one. He turned from this, the sin that was heaped upon him on the cross. He put it to death, turned his attention, and now he lives unto God. And then I love the way verse 11 starts. In this passage it says, even so, but other ways it's translated is, uh, or so you too, or likewise you, or you also. He wants you to understand that just the way Jesus put sin to death on the cross and turned and lived his life to God, that this very resurrected life of Christ has put death, sin to death in your life and you turn and you live your life unto God. You live your life in a pursuit of him. Most people think becoming a Christian is, you know, it's changing the way you behave or it's, changing your philosophy of life or it's joining some sect or group or, or maybe it's adopting a new belief system. Some, some think coming to Jesus means that I'm going to be given a whole set of righteous rules to follow. I've heard that all the time from people who, who say, I, you know, I, I, I really don't want to have to live by all of those rules that the Christians have to live by. And I'm here to proclaim nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's, it, it, it's far more personal than that. You see, Jesus, in him, we're, we're set free, it says, from the law of sin and death. Uh, we're, we're set free from the way the world operates, the way it does things. We're set free from the competitive dog-eat-dog every man for himself way of life that this world is all about, that it just brings hurt, disappointment, addictions, deception into so many people's lives. We're set free from that. In Jesus, we, we leave that on the cross with Christ. We, we place it there on him and we turn and we're alive to God. 
He is who we pursue. We just want more, more. He has our attention, our devotion. We can hear his call because we're clued in. He empowers us for the missions that he calls us on. Whether or not people like us or like what we're doing matters not. Can you imagine? It just doesn't matter because he matters. And if I'm doing what he wants and I'm living pursuing him and he is calling me and gifting me and empowering me for the missions that he calls me on. I'm fulfilling my destiny. I'm living in victory. You know, in him we have security because he loves us so perfectly. We, we, we have truth because he teaches us. We have hope for the future because we know one day we're going home. I hope you see why I don't get how people can just say no to Jesus. I, I really don't. I love him so much. I really do. How can, how can you look at the offer and, and, and just say, I would rather opt to operate my life in the world system. I want the competitive. I want the every man for himself. I want, I want that. I, I, I don't understand. And, and so I want to invite you today. Whether you're a Christian or haven't come to faith in Christ yet, I want to invite you to start living. <laughs> I mean, really, really Living. And to, to leave, to turn from the world system and look unto Christ in newness of life. And, and to leave the deception that the world is telling you that if you get enough money or if you have the right relationships or if you have enough power, life is going to be happy and meaningful. To leave that. And so my question is, isn't it time to really start living and coming to Christ Jesus? Is simply saying, you're done with the world. I'm leaving it there. I want him. I just want him. Forget what's happened in the past because it really doesn't matter. Because you're leaving that. You're, you're turning away from that. That's what we call repentance. It's, it's, repentance is not wallowing in the, the failures of the past. Repentance is turning away from the failures of the past. You leave it and you just tell him you want him. You want your life to die with him on the cross so you can be reborn a new creation in him. You're done with being alone. You're done with your attempts to live a good life. You're, you're done with it all. I say it often, but it's so true. You know, so many people are trying to be a, a good person and live a Christian life. And that sometimes they'll just come and they'll say, you know, I just cannot do this. And they'll say, I'm chucking it all. I give up trying to be a Christian. And how does God respond to those words? Finally, 
finally. I've been waiting for you to give up. <laughs> you can't live it out. You need him. You need him. So it's time to stop being alone. And if you still... If you still choose to resist, I guess I have to say, I got nothing else for you. <laughs> I don't have plan B. <laughs> I don't have another path. <laughs> Jesus is all that has ever mattered. He's all that will ever matter. And so my invitation is to you, will you come to him today? You can come just as you are. Just come. Father in heaven, we are uh, we're humbled by the fact that you would care so much about us in this world, that you would care so much to bring us to a point of encountering the good news of the gospel. And Father, I pray for the person here today that uh, maybe has not come to faith in you and they've been somewhat aware that, uh, of your story. They understand that uh, you came to earth and you lived a life and you died on a cross and you rose from the dead and they, they kind of get that, but uh, there's still this, this distance between the story of Christ and the reality of Christ. I pray, Father, that this day that they would simply pray the prayer that says, I want to turn away from the world's ways. I want to turn away from the way I've lived in the past. I want to just come to Jesus. I don't want to straighten up my behavior to come. I just, I'm just coming just the way I am. And I'm saying, Jesus, I, I want to be yours. I want to turn away from the sin of my past and I want it to be placed upon you at the cross and to know your forgiveness for that and to be welcomed into your family. I want to turn right now and I pray that they would pray that prayer right now in these quiet moments. I pray for the person that's a Christian and they've been in church a long time and, and yet when they look at their life they see... They see reactions of pride and they see reactions of lust and they see reactions of all manner of sin. And they would honestly have to say, today I'm here, I feel somewhat of a failure. And I pray, Father God, that in these moments that they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't self-condemn, but they would understand that they don't have the resources in themselves to defeat temptation. And that they would turn away from their self-efforts, give up, and say, Jesus, I just want you, and I want to know you. I want to understand you. I want to hear you. And I pray that they would not be focused on sin, but focused on you. And I pray, Father, for the ministry of this church that as we move forward that there would be 
this message that is constant about how good you are. This message that people who simply come to Jesus find new life and find hope and find a future. It's a message of grace and there's, there's not a behavioral standard that we're looking for. There's not a, a certain kind of person that we're looking for, but this beauty of God's grace is all we want to teach and all we want to spread. Oh, Lord, the world needs to see a people that are truly filled with your goodness and your grace and your love and your truth. So in these moments, Father, I pray that you would do your work in each of our hearts, each of our lives, as we simply come to you. I want you to stay seated as we sing this song. Sing along with us. Just as I am. so many people from coming to Jesus? You know, it's pride. Pride in so many different ways. It's, I can do fine without him. I'll come on Easter. <laughs> I'll make mom, dad happy. I'll be here. <laughs> but I, I can make it on my own. Sometimes people... Uh, their pride keeps them from coming to Jesus because they don't want someone else to win in their life. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe they were raised in the church and their parents are praying for them to come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, and they feel like their parents are trying to control their life, and so they just, this is their last bastion of control, and they just say, nope. I'm not giving in. They know their mom's praying for them to be a Christian and they resist. They stand in their pride and their life is a mess. And I always think about what it would be like when a person that has stood their ground in resistance and uh, they finally die and they meet Jesus. And the sadness that they'll experience when they're refused. 
because they held on to their pride. It drives me, it breaks my heart. Is it worth that? Is it worth that? Verse 2. Let's stand. Just as I am waiting not to again I come broken to be mended I come wounded to be healed I come desperate to be rescued 